I'm joined today by Professor Aaron Dormady, Professor of Food Science and Nutrition in the Jordan College. Uh, Aaron, thanks for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Jason. All right. So uh, we're going to talk today first, at least about your experience with Discovery. Um, so why did you sign up for the program and what did you uh, take away from it? Yeah, I, I am probably a more non-traditional um, member of a Discovery cohort. I have wanted to do it since the inception of the program, but I had a very demanding teaching schedule. I teach a lot of courses that have labs and I just never could fit it into my schedule. So ironically, when I became department chair um, in fall of 23, my schedule opened up a little bit more. And so I was able to finally sign up to um, be part of this cohort. The reason why I wanted to do it is, um, this is my 24th year at Fresno State. Uh, I have always um, tried to learn the new technologies. I'm going to probably date myself, but when I first came in 99, uh, in the classrooms were overhead projectors, and my my um, lectures were on those sheets that I printed out. Uh, and then, you know, slowly we've evolved to where we are now. Um, so you know, I just really am always looking to improve technology. The students are advancing with technology faster than we can keep up. And so I really feel like it's my responsibility to meet them where they are comfortable. And so uh, Discovery um, helped me to add some more tools to my toolkit to uh, be able to um, communicate and listen and deliver information in ways that students are comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in those 24 years, how have you seen the students change? Oh my gosh. So, um, they, in some ways, uh, I see a decline in certain skills, but in other ways, they're more advanced. And so that's why we have to change, you know, how we are delivering information. But uh, in 99, you um, students came to class ready to take notes. And the information transfer was a lot slower, but it was more in depth. Um, students today ex really kind of expect all of the lecture notes given to them and then they add notes to what you've given them. The lectures go a lot faster. So I'm able to cover more information. However, I don't because um, you just, you don't get the depth of understanding uh, that we did when students were, were trained in taking notes and emphasizing what's important and um, being able to really look at that information a little bit differently. So I have to break up the lecture materials with um, active uh, participation so that they're able to synthesize that information in new ways to get that depth of understanding because it's just, we can't do straight lecture um, mm -hmm. The way that I, that's how I learned all through graduate school and PhD, like we had to learn that information and be able to 
um, discuss it orally and to write about it. And uh, it's really, it's really different now. And so um, I feel a real responsibility to continue to educate myself in technology so that I can meet the students where they are. I don't want to be one of those professors that, you know, sits back and complains and like, well, in my day, they didn't do this. Maybe it's time for retirement. No, I look at it like, no, now is the time for me to learn new tools and to to continue to grow as an educator. So let's talk about some of those tools that you may have implemented <laughs> this year. What what have you been trying out and how is it going with you? Yeah, even though I, I did discovery after COVID, I had taken enough classes at uh, the Idea Center. Um, it's been named many different things during my tenure here, but um, I did the Summer Institute. I did the um, all of the online learning training just because I wanted to learn. Um, And so when we did pivot to um, completely online instruction during COVID isolation, all of those tools really helped me deliver um, information and experiences. So I, like I said, I teach a lot of hands-on labs. So I'm having to figure out how am I going to teach a food chemistry hands-on lab? How am I going to teach a food microbiology hands-on lab when students are confined to their home? And so using a lot of the tools that I learned um, through my education with Idea Center, I was able to have them do experiments on their kitchen counter. Uh, I actually had a couple of students in the dorms And so um, they had limited, uh, limited available, but we just figured it out. And um, I'm so grateful for that period of time because my students were able to still graduate with a lot of hands-on training that we were doing through live online sessions with them in their kitchen and me, you know, walking them through step by step. Um, And then since then, um, since we're back on campus now, there's uh, one class that I kept online and it's an introduction to food processing. And because it is online and it's a um, freshman level course, I have had students across the campus sign up for that class. And so now I'm teaching a section of 75 students and only about maybe 45 of them where it's a requirement for their major. And so it's not gone just outside of our department, but outside of our the Jordan College of Agriculture. And um, so I have students learning how food from the farm, so crops and animals uh, are safely um, transformed into something that they would buy at a supermarket. And so the amount of just ag literacy and how to read a food label and how to understand, you know, if if a can of green beans is delivering the same nutrition as, you know, fresh and, and 
teaching them how a food is canned and how food is dehydrated and how milk is pasteurized. And um, it's because of the online tools that I have that I've been able to reach much, much further. Uh, and so I, I have ideas, even though it's a requirement for students in my department, um, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe this could be a GE class by kind of using these tools, but, you know, everyone needs to understand the science that is on their plate. And so I'm so grateful that I had the tools and I'm able to reach a wider audience uh, with that course. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't see or think about food science and nutrition when they talk about STEM, but just what you're talking about, it, it, it kind of encompasses all of the, all of yeah. the letters of STEM. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it is, you know? it really is. And, and we now are, are referring it to STEAM. I know some people put the A in there for arts, like you need to understand art in order to, the right brain activity with the left brain activity to understand STEM, but we have the A for agriculture because uh, there is a lot of hands-on STEM going on in the department or the College of Agriculture. And so, yes, thank you for noticing that because it's really true, yeah. Yeah, so uh, one of the things you showed us um, during the cohort was um, a food labeling app in <laughs> a Porto. Um, yeah, so, so um, yeah, I've had mixed results with okay. that. Um, okay. With my upper division courses that have uh, their smaller classes, it's worked a lot better. Um, with my big 75 student class, I tried to introduce a labeling activity where they would use that software as well. And um, it didn't work as well in the larger class because of inexperience with the students. There were just too many students that had trouble with it. And so I was spending an inordinate amount of time trying to work with those students one-on-one -on -one to try to get them through the system. Um, but just to briefly explain what the project is, um, there's a uh, software program. It's made by ESHA. It's called the Food Processor. And whenever you go to buy a uh, food product, I'm trying to look for a food product here that has a label. Um, well, here's, here's one, but you see this nutrition panel with all the nutrition facts on it. So every food product has that. Um, and we create that with this program. And so when our students graduate from Fresno State and go work in the food processing industry, they're using that. Um, on the clinical side, our nutrition students are also using it as well for a different application. And that's helping people to understand what they're eating. And you can do like a three-day diet, a food diary and work with clients. So it's a very important piece of software. However, it is super expensive. It's about $2,000 per license per year. And there's no way that we could ask students to pay that. So using a Porto, which I kind of like to think as a portal onto a desktop in the sky where students can go through this portal. And um, it, used to, it used to be, uh, in our computer labs, we would have the software and a Porto 
during COVID would enable our students to hijack those desktop computers in the computer lab. Now it's it's uh, it's online, and so they are going in and they see a desktop um, on their laptop or their device, and they're able to use all of these programs that are on that desktop that the university has a license for. So that's worked out really well for us. Um, so students, I gave them uh, a standard recipe. I told them that they were a product developer for a baking company in Portland, Oregon. And here's the recipe. Your supervisor has asked you to modify the recipe um, in two different ways. And they got to choose the way, whether they increased nutrition or removed fat or whatever. And then they made these three labels side by side and wrote me a memo describing the changes and their recommendation for this new product. So it's kind of a hands-on real world application. Um, it, yeah, some of the students kind of lagged behind because of technology uh, issues. And I really did a step-by-step -step video walking them through it, but I still had some students that had uh, technical difficulties. Um, so I'm gonna have to rethink that um, I'm still grading those reports uh, for the first application. I did it the first time this semester. Um, and so maybe I'll change my mind about the success of it. It just seemed like I got a ton of emails. It's not working. No. So it was yeah. a lot of time on my part to hold their hand and walk them through it. Um, I think some students gave up. So um, but the data is still out there and I need to analyze the success of it. But for the upper division classes where the classes are smaller, Oporto um, is an excellent tool to get them access to, you know, statistical programs where we're asking them to crunch a lot of numbers. Um, so, yeah, Oporto has been awesome. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things, one of the themes I've heard from from some other folks is that balance between taking class time, troubleshooting, technology yeah. problems, and doing thing, doing something different. But you want the students to have that experience. Yeah. But maybe. And it, maybe it wasn't, uh, the problem wasn't as much with a Porto as it was with this expensive, not very user-friendly uh -huh. program. And so I think the juniors and seniors can kind of, force their way into figuring it out, especially knowing that when they get into industry, they're going to be expected to do this. But the freshmen where I was trying to like, hey, did you know how a food label is made? This is it. And they were like, oh, it's uh so it wasn't a Porto as much as it was the yeah. program I was asking them to use. Yeah. But I mean, it's, uh, it's great that we're able to provide that experience for our students and they don't have to spend that money out of pocket. Oh, and they can take that experience with them into the professional arena. Yes. Um, so, so you've talked about kind of some different things that you've tried, uh, you know, and the other the other trainings that you have gone through. So, what what's next for you? Uh, you know, are, are there things that you want to keep exploring or expanding or pulling back <laughs> and, or swapping um, things out? Yeah. So. So uh, becoming department chair, I don't want to warn anyone off of it that is watching this video and considering it. 
it is, it has been an awesome experience. There are parts of it that I didn't expect to love so much as I do. Uh, but it's, there's a lot of hours involved. Um, overnight, your emails double. So I spend about four hours a day um, just answering emails. And so um, when I look at the Idea Center, I probably will be looking at ways to increase time efficiency for more managerial tasks, um, as well as keeping up with the tasks that uh, I need for teaching, because I still have um, half of a teaching load. Um, I, I looked at my schedule last fall and saw all this open time, and I signed up for Discovery. I did uh, the Tequity um, one, and I tried to do the Digital Humanities Digital Scholarship one, which is amazing, um, but it, it was too much because what I didn't know in my inexperience is that those open hours fill up very, very, very quickly. Um, so coming into this, this, my second year as chair, I will be looking at the course offerings at Idea Center and um, looking at those things that will help me be a better chair and help me be a better teacher, help me to connect with our students in new and inventive ways. And, uh, but maybe not take as many as I signed up for last year. <laughs> but I, I love learning. I love technology. I love learning new things that will help me be better. Um, and so uh, I'll probably be a little bit more reasonable about the amount that I do next year, but um, I'm so, I'm so grateful for all of the support from, that we get from the Idea Center and from the Center for Faculty Excellence. I encourage uh, all of my faculty, including the part-timers, um, there's classes over there that will give you tools to help you do your job. And so I will continue to advocate uh, as department chair uh, to my faculty to take time to do, um, take advantage of all that you offer. Great. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you, Jason. All right, all right. It's good, good to see you smile. Week. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. To learn more, visit our website, academics.fresnostate.edu slash ideas, or contact us to share your story, ideas at mail.fresnostate.edu.